Welcome to Music History Monday for July 12th, 2021. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title for today's podcast is Johann Joachim Quantz and His Most Famous Student. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash robertgreenbergmusic, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. We mark the death on July 12, 1773, 248 years ago today, of the German composer, flutist, and teacher Johann Joachim, or J.J. Quantz, in Potsdam, Germany, at the age of 76. Honchos who can play. We contemplate the musical abilities of some national leaders. The Roman Emperor Nero, that would be Nero Claudius Caesar Augustus Germanicus, who lived from December 37 to June 68, when he was assassinated at the age of 30 after a 14-year reign. Nero famously played the lyre, and not the fiddle, which only came into existence some 1,500 years after his death. Whether he actually lyred, as Rome burned on the night of July 18 and 19, the year 64, we'll never really know. What we do know is whatever other issues he had, and Nero had issues, artistic self-doubt was not among them. Anticipating his death, he paced up and down, muttering, quote, what an artist dies in me, unquote. Harry Truman, 1884-1972, the 33rd President of the United States, was a competent pianist. Richard Nixon, 1913-1994, the 37th President of the United States, was an even more accomplished pianist than Truman and an equally accomplished violinist. He studied both instruments from the age of 14 to 18. We will not be so foolish as to call Bill Clinton, born 1946, the 42nd President of the United States, an accomplished musician, but he was capable of hoisting a tenor saxophone and bleating out a reasonable facsimile of music. Even though he was not a chief executive, it would be remiss not to mention the Honorable Robert Byrd, 1917-2010, to 2010, who served in the United States Senate for a record 51 years. Unlike Nero, he was indeed a noted fiddler, in Byrd's case, a country music fiddler. He even recorded a bluegrass album in 1978 entitled, U.S. Senator Robert Byrd, Mountain Fiddler. Not unimpressive. However, when it came to not just musical ability, but patronage of the musical establishment, not a single national leader, ancient or modern, can hold a tuning fork to Frederick II, the great King of Prussia, who lived from 1712 to 1786 and reigned as king for 26 years, from 1740 until his death in 1786. Among other things, Frederick 
was a collector. But unlike Franklin Roosevelt, who collected stamps, or the Sultan of Brunei, who collects racehorses, Frederick collected musicians. He built a state-of-the-art opera house and stocked it with some of the best singers and instrumentalists of his time. Those same instrumentalists made up his house orchestra and included the composer and harpsichordist Carl Philipp Emanuel Bach, 1714-1788, who played keyboard. I would tell you that for years Frederick implored C.P.E. Bach to convince his father, Johann Sebastian, or Old Bach, as he was known at the time, to come for a visit. When he could no longer politely refuse, Old Bach made the journey from Leipzig to Frederick's residence in Potsdam, southwest of Berlin, in 1747, when he, Bach, was 62 years old. During the visit, Bach inspected and played some of Frederick's newfangled forte pianos, Bach thought them toys, and stunned the assembled worthies by improvising a three-part fugue on a complex 21-note subject given to him by Frederick. On returning home to Leipzig, Bach fashioned an entire work around that subject, that theme, which he dedicated to Frederick and titled A Musical Offering. Frederick didn't just collect musicians, musical instruments, and build opera houses. He was also a more than competent composer and flutist. We will avoid using the rather snobbish English equivalent, flautist, which should mean someone who flouts, as in the rules. Frederick's skills as a composer and flutist can in greatest part be credited to his single greatest musical acquisition. The composer, flutist, and teacher, Johann Joachim Quantz, 1697-1773, who was one of the most famous musicians of his time. Johann Joachim Quantz. Quantz was born as Hans Joachim Quantz on January 30, 1697, in Oberschieden, a village in the electorate of Hanover in what today is northwestern Germany. His father was a blacksmith, and Daddy Quantz fully expected his son to follow him in the smithy trade. But the young fellow had no intention of following in his father's footsteps, beating hot iron and shoeing horses. Talk about breaking a father's heart on his deathbed. Quantz's father reportedly begged his 10-year-old son to continue the family business. But it didn't happen. J.J.'s extraordinary promise as a musician was already apparent, and a career in music was in the cards. At the age of 11, he was apprenticed as a musician with his uncle, Eustace Quantz. J.J. recalled, quote, I wanted to be nothing but a musician. I went to Merseberg to begin my apprenticeship with the former town musician, Eustace Quantz. The first instrument which I had to learn was the violin, for which I also seemed to have the greatest liking and ability. Thereon followed the oboe and the trumpet. During my years as an apprentice, I worked hardest on these three instruments." Unquote. Maybe so, but in fact. 
Quance was one of those people who was able to play any instrument he picked up. He began composing in 1714 when he was 17, and in 1716, at the age of 19, he completed his apprenticeship as a performer. Hello, Dresden! In March 1716, Quance joined Dresden's so-called town band. In fact, it was the municipal orchestra. Dresden was, by every measure, the cultural big time, the capital of Saxony and one of the wealthiest and most sophisticated cities in all of Europe. Having spent his apprenticeship in the backwater town of Merseburg, about 10 miles west of Leipzig, Quantz was dazzled by the music and musicians he heard in Dresden. Quote, the Royal Orchestra was in full bloom at this time. It distinguished itself from many other orchestras by its French smoothness of performance. The orchestra achieved a finesse of performance which I have never heard bettered in all my travels. When listening to these famous people, I was greatly amazed, and my zeal for continuing musical studies was doubled. I wanted to prepare myself so that in time I too could become a fair member of this excellent company." Unquote. Just two years later, in 1718, at the age of 21, Quance was appointed oboist in the chapel of Augustus II, King of Poland and Elector of Saxony, there in Dresden. It should, it should have been a huge opportunity, but as it turned out, it was not. You see, despite his appointment, there was an absolute glut of oboists plying their trade in Dresden at the time. Flip over a rock, find an oboist. The ambitious young Quantz quickly realized that his chances for advancement as an oboist were next to nil. So he did what only an instrumental polymath can do. He pulled a switcheroo. We'll let Quantz tell the story. Quote, Here I reached a turning point affecting both my previous way of life and my main life work. The violin which until now had been my principal instrument, I now exchanged for the oboe. However, I was prevented by my colleagues, who had had longer experience, from excelling on either instrument, which I wanted very much to do. My chagrin over this caused me to take up seriously the flute, which until then I had practiced only for my own pleasure. On this instrument, I did not have to fear any resistance from my colleagues, particularly since the previous flutist, Frieza, who had no great inclination toward music, willingly allowed me to take the chair of the first flutist in the Polish chapel." Unquote. In choosing the flute, Quantz chose wisely. We don't know what sort of oboe player he was, but we do know that within just a few years, he had come to be considered one of the greatest flute players in all of Europe. In May 1728, Quantz accompanied his boss, Augustus II, Elector of Saxony and King of Poland, on a state visit to the Prussian court in Berlin. Quantz performed in Berlin, and among those in the audience was the 16-year-old Crown Prince of Prussia, Frederick II. For the Crown Prince, it was love at first sight, 
with Quantz and first sound with Quantz's flute. He demanded that he be allowed to take flute lessons and only with Quantz. Now for our information, Frederick's father, King Frederick Wilhelm I, thought that music in general and the flute in particular were not manly enough pursuits for a Prussian crown prince. But Frederick would not be deterred, so his mother, Queen Sophia Dorothea of Hanover, offered Quantz a job. Quote, I was offered a position by Her Highness for $800 a year. I was ready to accept, but the King of Poland, my master, would not agree. However, I did receive permission to go to Berlin as often as I was asked for." Unquote. And so, for the next 12 years, Quantz commuted back and forth from Dresden to various Prussian royal residences to give the prince his lessons, no doubt racking up some major frequent traveler miles in the process. Yes, Zoom lessons would have been a lot easier. In the process, Quantz and Frederick bonded like a wad of bubblegum to the sole of your loafers. So when Frederick became the King of Prussia in 1740 at the age of 28, Quantz received an offer that could not be refused. Come to Potsdam and become court composer, court conductor, and flute and composition teacher to His Majesty the King. In return, Quantz would take orders only from the king, would not have to play in the court orchestra, would receive a salary of $2,000 a year for life, and receive a generous bonus for each new work he composed. It was truly the job of a lifetime. The 44-year-old Quantz moved to Potsdam in December of 1741 and remained there until his death 32 years later in 1773. King Frederick II, the Great, was not called great for nothing. Aside from his extraordinary accomplishments as a soldier and statesman, he was a music fanatic who was estimated to have participated in more than 10,000 performances during his reign. Quantz composed over 300 flute concerti for performance by himself and Frederick and they remain among the most brilliant works ever composed for the instrument. Stylistically, Quantz's music treads a line between Baroque and classical practice. The most obvious Baroque element is the presence of a harpsichord-led basso continuo unit within the orchestra. However, Quantz's ability to write catchy, tuneful themes, his willingness to repeat melodic ideas within those themes, his relatively slow harmonic turnover, and his general avoidance of complex polyphonic textures show us a composer clearly leaning towards what will eventually come to be known as the classical style. Tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes post will offer recommendations for recordings of flute concerti composed by both Quantz and his student. Frederick the Great of Prussia. But more than that, the Post will examine and present quotes from Quantz's book On Playing the Flute, first published in 1752. As we will discover, 
The book is much more than just a manual on flute playing. In fact, only five of the book's 18 chapters deal exclusively with the flute. The remainder of the book might best be called The Musical World in 1752 According to Quantz, in which he renders his opinions on musical topics far and wide. It is the indispensable contemporary resource for understanding the state of music, the state of music education, performance, and composition in mid-18th century Germany. Until then, thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.